Masechet Ketubot Daf Mem Vav. We're continuing our analysis of the Mosi Shem Ra. And here's the Pesukim that we are going to continue to analyze. Um, it says, Velakyahu ziknair hahi etaish v'yisiru oto. If a man accuses his bride of having uh, committed adultery before the wedding, after the Kiddushin, and she is a Na'ara, and he is wrong, he falsely accuses her, so he gets a punishment, and the elders take him v'yisiru oto. So what does that mean, that they torture him like Yisurin, they make him suffer, but it doesn't say exactly what it means, and they also punish him. So we want to know what do these uh, words refer to. Now the punishment is pretty clear because it says next words, they punish him by giving a fine. But what does the Yisiru mean? So that's the opening Baraita, Tenor Banan, Ve'anshu Oto, Zemamon, Ve'yisiru, Zemalkut, Anshu is going to be money. Yisiru means lashes. Now we analyze, Bishlama Ve'anshu, Zemamon, Tichti, Ve'anshu Oto, Me'achesef, Ve'natenu, Le'avihan Na'ara. The punishment, obviously, is um, payment of money, because that's what it says in the very next words in that Pasuk. Ela Ve'yisiru, Zemalkut, Minelan. But the word to torture him, how do you know that that means to flog him? Maybe it means something else. We're going to do a chain analogy. A equals B, so B equals C, C equals D. Therefore, A equals D. And so we're going to say the word Yisiru regarding Mosi Shemra, we're connecting to the word Yisiru regarding Ben Sorer Umore. And over there in Ben Sorer Umore says the word Yisiru, and it says Ben. And the word ben is, uh, looks uh, similar to bean, and bean is in the pasuk regarding lashes, where it says, Vayayim bean hakot harasha. If a person is liable, deserves punishment, then he gets lashes. So here are the, here's the pasuk regarding ben sorer, the more we're talking about. Uh, he doesn't listen to his father and his mother. Viseru oto. And so he should, they, uh, even though they discipline him, discipline him, it doesn't say how, what they do to discipline him. Um, but here it says Yisuru and it says the word Ben. And so we connect Ben to Bean. All right, that's a, uh, a lot of steps to connect it. Um, but uh, that's how we derive that Yisuru means that he gets lashes. Now we understand, we know what the punishment is and how we derive it from the context of the of Devarim 21 that talks about the Mosi Shemra. And so uh, now the question is, um, how do we know that uh, Devarim 22 is Mosi Shemra? Uh, so now we know the punishment. Where, where do we know the warning? Because before you can give a punishment to someone, you also have to give them a warning. And then within the Torah itself, the Torah has to give, if, uh, for any punishment, has to tell you the punishment. But we need another pasuk that gives us the warning for it. So as Harad Mosi Shemra Minelan, Rabbi El Azar Omer Amar Mi Lotelech Rachil. Azar says from the Pasuk that you should not be a tale bearer. And this Mosi Shemra, he is telling a false tale. He is saying a false, spreading a false rumor about his bride that she does not have Bitulim. So that, but there it doesn't say what the punishment would be. So there you go. That's the warning. And now we have the punishment. That's good. Rabbi Natan Omer, Mi Venishmarta Mikol Dabara. Rabbi Natan says from a more general Pasuk that says, keep away from evil things. An example of an evil thing is dava, evil speech, davara. Keep away from saying bad speech. Bad speech is spreading a false rumor, a false accusation about his bride. 
That's where he learns it from. All right, so both these seem to be good pisukim. So to be alazar lo amar mehai hakam to be alazar did not did not use v'nishmarta mikol dabara. Ahu mi ba'ale dechder be pinchas ben yair v'nishmarta mikol dabara mikan amar to be pinchas ben yair al yarher adam bayom v'yavot lide to ma balayla. He didn't use that pasuk because Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yair already used that pasuk for a different lesson that a person should not have bad thoughts during the day because then he'll come to to have tumat baal keri at night. So davara here, according to that interpretation, is not bad words that one says in accusation dashon hara, but rather improper thoughts. So since we already used that pasuk for something else, he uh, uses lo telech rachil. Good. Veribinatan, my tamalo amar mehai, hakabribinatan didn't use um the the pasuk lo telech rachil. How come he likes venishmata better? Hahu azhara lebetin shelo yehe rachlazeh vechashelazeh. In creative interpretation, rachil he's interpreting as don't be rach le. A betin should not be soft on one of the parties and strict on the other parties. But rather, a betin has to be even-handed and treat both litigants evenly and not show favoritism. Uh, so if you say, well, where did they get this from? Rachil completely does not mean that. Well, actually, uh, it is a derasha, but if you look in context, it makes a little bit more sense because the pasuk right before, lo telech rachil ba'amecha says, lo tasu'avil ba'mishpah, lo tisaf eneda, lo tedar pene gadol, besedek tashpot amitecha, don't be unfair, don't show favor to the poor or to the rich. But rather be fair. So then it would be nice to continue that with that thought. And lo telech rach le. All right. Good. So it uh, connects, it flows with the previous pasuk better that way. All right. Now, uh, more about Mosi Shemra. What we're going to see now is the Mosi Shemra, when the guy makes his accusation, the question is, what is it based on? A simple reading of the Pesukim is that he consummated his marriage and there was no blood. He doesn't, he's not in fine Betulim. So he's accusing her based on the uh, empirical evidence that he, the groom, sees. But there is another way, and that would be but with witnesses. If the groom uh, encounters, finds witnesses that say, we saw that your bride had uh, been unfaithful uh, after the Kiddushin, before the Nisuin, then he can bring those witnesses. And that will be another way of uh, him being Mosi Shemra. If they're, if they're true witnesses, then she would get the punishment of Mosi Shemra, the stoning. If they, if they're false witnesses and he hires them, then he gets the punishment that, uh, uh, that would be the, the, the punishment for, for the false accusation, the lashes and the hundred selah. Okay, so now we're going to analyze that. So if the man, the groom hires the witnesses, for sure, he, and there are false witnesses, for sure, he is liable. But what if he didn't? Uh, what if the witnesses came? He didn't tell the witnesses, come and witness. They came on their own. Two witnesses that saw that this woman who was Arusa went and was with another man, and they come, came on their own. Uh, so, and they turn out to be false witnesses. Should the groom get punished? No. So he doesn't deserve a punishment. He didn't, he had nothing to do with it. Good. And what if they are correct witnesses? Now, does she get the punishment, uh, for the standard punishment? 
which would be adultery or sikila. The answer is he viz of a man makdirin beta sikila. She gets sikila, which also makes sense because whether she's mosi shemra or narame orasa, right? That was the other case, narame orasa, where it's not the husband that's bringing an accusation, but while she's arusa, she sins, and witnesses come and say, we saw her sin, she gets also sikila, and here that would be the appropriate law, because uh, here it doesn't say that she goes to bet aviha, she gets stoned at her father's entrance of her father's house for mosi shemra. It says, no, makdimin le beta sikila, they go to the regular place of stoning. So this seems to be an application of the standard Mosi Shemra, which it makes sense, which is appropriate. Okay, we just clarify the language here. She and Edim Zomimin that come and testify against her, if they turn out to be Edim Zomimin, they would get the same punishment of stoning. So why does it say that she and Edim Zomimin get, get it? He Do you think both of them should get stoned? It's got to be one or the other. If they're false witnesses, then only the witnesses will get stoned. And if they're if the witnesses got as far as to the um, the point that she actually was stoned, then we know the laws that Adim Zomin don't get stoned, because only Kasher Zamam, as they tried to do, but not if they actually do it. So there's no case where both of them would get stoned. Ela, ohi, What it means, sometimes the Vav could mean, oh, she or her, uh, or the Adim Zomin would get Sekila. Okay, so, but the bottom line is that we do not apply the law of Mosi Shemra if the man did not hire the witnesses. Now, Tama de lo amar lehu, ha amar lehu, afagav de lo agrin hu. So we're going to uh, infer from here that the reason why the man in this case does not get lashes is because he did not tell the witnesses to go and testify. They went, they did it on their own. But what if he did tell them? even if he did not pay them money to hire them uh th- then he would st- they uh, then he, uh, if he if he told them even if he didn't pay them that would be mosi shamra right? that's sufficient he doesn't have to pay them for them to be considered his doing he is responsible even if he just asked them to without paying them good that's uh, that is the that is inference here. And this is it goes against the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who said the Tanya Rabbi Yehuda Omer Eno Chayav Ad She Yiskod Ayadim. Rabbi Yehuda says we only apply the Mosi Shemra on him that he would get lashes and a fine if he if it's false if he actually hired the the witnesses these false witnesses false witnesses to come so that makes it official when he hires them if he only tells them then that's not then it's considered that they did it on their own according to the biuda according to the other tana even if he just tells them my tama how come the biuda requires that it be that he hire the witnesses um, in order for him to be to be considered mosi shemra amar biabhu atya sima sima kedi bacha vesam la alilot devarim regarding mosi shemra says he places false charges on her and regarding the laws of don't not charging interest it says do not place upon the other guy interest the borrower so the case of interest is talking about money you're extracting monetary interest so till here visamla means he pays money to the witnesses in order to hire them to falsely accuse her that's the view derivation
אמר לב נחמן בר יצחק, וכן תנא יוסף סידוני בעד רבי שמעון בן יוחאי, עתיה סימה סימה. That derivation we also find in a baraita, that, uh, that uh, in the name of רבי שמעון בר יוחאי, that brings the same, גזרה שווה, of סימה and סימה. Now, a few questions uh, uh, about other cases. Would they be considered Mosi Shemra? Since, according to the Biuda, you learned it from uh, the word Sima, which means money, what if he didn't use cash, but rather he paid the witnesses, the husband paid the witnesses with lands? He said, I'll give you this land if you'll go and testify falsely that my wife, did not, that my wife cheated, uh, cheated on me before. Uh, the marriage. Uh, is that considered the same mamon and he hired them or does it have to be actually cash? We don't answer the question. If he hires them for half a penny, which is not a, not a, a, an amount that can be paid because it's, uh, it's so little. There's no, it's, a, it's less than the smallest denomination. So is that considered mamon or it's too little to be considered mamon? Or here are two witnesses both of them for one peruta altogether, so that each one is only a half. Uh, we don't answer that question. What if a man is married to a woman? He doesn't say, he doesn't claim any problem with it. He gets divorced. And then they get remarried. He's not a Kohen, so that's totally fine. And it's after the second marriage, he comes and says, Hey, I have a claim against you that you were not a bitula." when after the first marriage so do we say that's too late now that was the first marriage that you were uh uh that then that's over already or since he's still it's the same man same woman he can bring uh an accusation even after the second marriage that she was not a bit too for the first we don't answer that what if a man is married to a woman he dies and then the brother does yibum, or it could be that they have nisuim, and he dies, and then the brother does yibum, and the brother doesn't find betulim, the yavam does not betulim, it does not find betulim, and he comes and claims, oh, she was not a betula, um, uh, or if it's true, or if it's false, right, and the, the yavam claims it falsely, does he get punished as a mosi shemra? Can the yavam make the claim, or can only the husband make the claim? All right, all good questions. We don't have answers to any of them except the last one. Peshot mi hachada. At least one we can answer. The Taner Biona. Et betina tati leishaze lazev eloliabam. The the father of the bride will come and make the counterclaim and say, he is lying. I gave my daughter over to this man. So we learn from there that the law Mosi Shemra is only regarding this man, meaning the original husband and not the Yavam. The Yavam is not included in the language of the original law. So the word Zeh specific is limiting, comes to exclude the Yavam. So the Yavam cannot make a claim of Mosi Shemra. If he does make a false claim, he is he's not uh, uh, punished with uh, lashes and a fine. If it's a true claim, she does not get sikila, um, but rather would get the standard um, uh, punishment of chenek, um, or or um, uh, or if she's not amarasa, the will be sikila, but at, not at the father's gate, and so on. Okay, Maida banan be Eliezer ben Yaakov. Okay, now we're finally getting back to clarify something we saw on the previous staff. It mentioned in passing a machloket between the rabbanan and the be Eliezer ben Yaakov. 
and it assumed we knew it already, but now it's going to fill in about what this machloket actually is. But we did mention it already. Tetanya. Kesad hosa'at shemra. How does the law of Mosi shemra play out? Ba'libetin ve'amar peloni lo masati libitecha betulim. So the groom will come to court and, and, and call his father-in-law and say, Mr. So-and-so, I married your daughter and I did not find Betulim. And if he's able to bring witnesses, uh, again, right, we, there's two ways he can either uh, claim that there was no blood. Here we're talking about when he uses witnesses and he says as witnesses that she was unfaithful. Uh, after the Kiddushin. Um, so in that case, he only pays 100 because she was not a Betula. She doesn't get the 200 a Betula deserves, but only the 100 uh, for an Almana or anyone who does not have Betulim. Okay, we interrupt the Braita to clarify. What do you mean if there's witnesses that she was unfaithful after the Kiddushin, you're telling her she doesn't get a 200, she only gets 100? She deserves Sikila for that. This is the true case of uh, the Mosi uh, Shemra when he's right. Then she gets sikila. Forget about the hundred that she's losing. That's what we meant to say. You're right. If there's two witnesses that she's guilty, she gets sikila. But if she was unfaithful before the kiddushin, not, not called unfaithful, there was no kiddushin yet, um, but rather she had relations before she lost her betulim beforehand. And at the time of kiddushin, uh, he, she said, I, she claimed to be a betula. So this is just that she lied and falsely presented herself as a betula. And based on that, he, he, he gave her 200. He promised her 200 in the uh, ketubah. So now he comes and says, hold on, she was never a betula. So then, if he brings proof that she had lost her betulim before the kiddushin, then he say he can come and claim, I don't want to give her 200, I changed the kitubah to be only 100. And uh, so that's a legitimate claim. In this case, she would not get sikila because she had bi'ah before the kiddushin. So there's no prohibition. And that, only after Kiddushin, would it be adultery. Good. Now what if his claim is a false claim? Right? She, he tried to say she has a Shemra, but she in fact does not have a Shemra. He's the one that just hates her and doesn't, well, he wants to get rid of her. And so he makes a false claim. Then, what's his punishment? As we saw, he gets lashes and he pays. Ben Ba'al, Ben Lo Ba'al. This is Tanakama. He says, Mosi Shemra law applies to him, whether he consummated the marriage and had Bi'ah with his bride, or even if he didn't have. Now, if he had Bi'ah, that means he would know because he had Bi'ah and there was no blood. So he's coming to claim, hey, there was no blood. Or if he did not do bi'ah, but at some point after the marriage, even though they didn't consummate, he finds witnesses that she had been unfaithful after the kiddushin. So that and and they turn out to be false witnesses. That also applies um, the law of Moshe Shemra, and he gets malkut, and he has to um, pay if he's the one that asked the witnesses to go and testify on his behalf.
Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, lo nemudu devrim halalu ela kishibaal. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, however, says that, look, read the, the Peshat. It sounds like they got married, they consummated, and that's why he didn't see the he didn't see blood, and that's why he brings it. So only if they had bi'ah, then he can then he's liable and he falsely accuses her, then he's liable to lashes and money. But if they didn't do bi'ah, that's not the law of Basi Shemra. Even if he brings witnesses who are lying, he doesn't he doesn't get lashes. Uh, we saw actually we saw two interpretations of Eliezer Yaakov uh, yesterday, uh, whether he gets lashes or not. For sure, he doesn't pay the hundred uh, the hundred um, kesef uh, if he didn't have bi'ah. Um, according to the Beelzebub and Yaakov, right? That law does not apply. Now, Bishlam and Beelzebub and Yaakov, now we're going to go through the Pistukim to see which of these two, two interpretations makes more sense. In the narrative of the law, it talks about a man takes a wife and ba'eleha. Uh, which means he had bi'ah. And, and then in the claim, he says, all right, I, have you, I took your daughter, beleha, and I came near her. And this is, I didn't, I didn't find bitulim. So these two words sound like they had bi'ah. Makes more sense for it to be Elizabeth Yaakov. How are they going to interpret these words? Oh, well, they could say, bidvarim. He, when he says, um, he comes, against her it means with a claim uh, he's bringing a claim against her and it says he comes close to her it means he's bringing charges about her okay not really the peshat of those words um but uh um but okay that's how rabbanan would have to interpret them because they had bi'ah, that's how he knows firsthand, empirically, there was no betulim there. But according to Rabbanan, that they never had bi'ah, how does the husband know that she doesn't have betulim? What is he, a, a doctor? No, it means that he, he says, I did not find that uh, your daughter has is fit to have a bitulim, meaning he found witnesses and uh, that she does not have bitulim. So he found evidence about her kosher status regarding the bitulim. Bishlama The peshat of it is he comes, uh, the father uh, can counterclaim and said, hey, you are lying about my daughter and here's the proof. Here are my daughter's bitulim and he brings out the simla, he brings out the cloth with the blood. So that makes sense if they had bi'ah. Right, remember how we talked about that there would be, uh, you know, a, a, a shushbin that would come and, and guard at the door and they would make sure that he didn't hide the, the sheet. This was a major deal. So um, he would have the cloth. That makes sense if they had bi'ah. El Rabbanan, my, if they didn't have bi'ah, then what's he showing them? What he means is, these are the proof of the fitness of my daughter's betulim, meaning he brings test witnesses, uh, whatever proof that he has that his, the, uh, his, uh, the, the claim of the groom is false. Okay, so the uh, banana reading everything more figuratively. According to Beelzebub, it says they bring the cloth and they spread the 
they spread the bedsheet out and show him. That means that they had physical bi'ah. But has Rabbanan going to explain that if it's only witnesses and not a cloth? So he reads simla, not as cloth, but split it up and he uh, to samla, that he, uh, the father will uh, spread, meaning examine the claims that he placed against her. Samla. Kedetanya ufarasu hasim we have a baraita that shows is not taken literally, but rather it means that um, the witnesses of the groom and the witnesses of the father of the bride uh, come against each other. And by uh, putting, the, putting the witnesses against each other, the Betin will test them out and they will clarify the matter like a new garment. Like a new garment is free of stains and clear, so too they will clarify the matter. That's, the, that's how the banan explain it. Because Ben Yaakov says, I don't know where you're getting all that from. It says the cloth, it means an actual cloth that you have to bring them. Okay, this simla is, uh, 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 taking it as samla, is again a very creative interpretation. But if you look carefully, it actually has uh, uh, some uh, uh, derivation in the pasuk because you see here it says "Besam la alilot devarim." The husband places, uh, get, makes up about her. Uh, 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 he um, submits about her false charges. The words "Vesam la" are the same exact letters as "Vesim la." So the rabbis, I think, are very astute in noticing "Vesam la" here and um, uh, and here "Vesim la." Okay, so I think that's. Um, a creative and uh, interesting derasha, and actually it kind of makes sense, even though Rabbi Elbin Akov seems to be the peshat, uh, you don't have to take it so literally uh, as being the actual cloth, it's talking about the claim. What's the difference if the claim is based on physical evidence or is based on witnesses that come? Whatever it's based on, the law should be the same thing. So um, the, the rabbis, even though they're making these derashot, I think you can take take them um, in a more legal sense that the Torah is giving you a physical example of a, how a case could happen, but it's kind of obviously that we should extend this into even a non-literal case, even if he um, the claim was based on witnesses and the counterclaim was based on witnesses, the same law should apply. It makes sense that it should apply, and therefore we shouldn't read the Pesukim so literally. Uh, okay, so you see both both sides have uh, good um, uh, good logic to stand on. Now, Shalach Rabbi Yitzchak bar Rav Yaakov bar Giyore Mishmed Rabbi Yochanan Afagar Shalom Asin Vachol Torah Kol Ashechidakatu Ben Bial Kedarka Lebi Ashelo Kedarka LeMakot Ulonashin. Regarding the whole Torah. Whenever we have any kind of prohibition of bi'ah, it's the same law whether it's regular bi'ah or atypical uh, um, bi'ah. Uh, so that prohibition of uh, adultery or incest would be equally punishable uh, no matter which kind of bi'ah it is. Except for this law, here it does make a difference. 
because the claim is about betulim, and only with regular bi'ah will there be um, a, the, the breaking of the betulim, and not with bi'ah shelok kedarka. So here it makes a difference. Chilek the only time that we apply the law of Mosi Shemra is when her original her first bia when she cheated on him was Shilokedarka. Now this is not true. It doesn't really have to be Shilokedarka. The Gemara will uh, backtrack on this. But the Mosi um, Shemra, when he, the husband, is with her, has to be Kedarka. Now, according to whom would it have to be Kedarka? Keman, Rabbanan said that even if they didn't have Bi'ah, the law of Mosi Shemra applies. And if he is false, uh, brings witnesses falsely, then he would still get it. So it wouldn't make a difference. The, even if there's no Bi'ah at all, we apply Mosi Shemra. So all the more so if it's Bi'ah Shelo Kedarka. So this statement of Rabbi Yochanan cannot be according to Rabbanan. ben Yaakov. If it's a Be'ez ben Yaakov, well then we actually need both Be'ot to be regular Be'ot because his claim is that she lost her Be'tulim because she had with when she cheated on him. Well, she would only lose her Be'tulim if it was regular Be'ah. And then he comes and says, uh, now we consummated the marriage and I did not find Be'tulim. That would only... Uh, that would only be an interesting find if they had bi'ah kedarka. So, according to Be'ez ben Yaakov, it has to be both kedarka. So, and he said that the first one shalo kedarka. So, what does that mean? Rather, we're uh, re- rewording the tradition that we received. Both have to be kedarka. So, that's what Rabbi Yochanan said. For all other laws in the Torah, any prohibition of bi'ah is equally punished, kedarka and shalo kedarka, except for. If we follow to be uh, Eliezer ben Yaakov, who takes the whole uh, law literally, then it would only make sense if her she cheated on him, kedarka, uh, and lost her betulim, and then he uh, consummated the marriage again, kedarka, and what ex- was expecting to find betulim and didn't, then we apply the law of Mosi Shemra. But if he consummated the marriage Shalokadarka, then he wouldn't have found any any Bitulim anyway. And so it doesn't and that's the only proof that he can bring, according to the Beliazab Yaakov. Alright, next Mishnah Av. The rights of a father over a daughter are listed here in this Mishnah. He the the father has a right to marry off his daughter when she's a uh, when she's a minor through uh, and to uh, through kesef shtadim bi'ah. So if they use money, then the father can say, "Listen, daughter, you're marrying off this guy," and the guy would pay hasaret mikudeshet, and the money goes to the father because he has a right to marry her off, so he gets the money. Now shtadim bi'ah, there's no money exchange, but so the law here just means that he has a right to marry her off and uh, uh, using a shtad or using bi'ah, and that marriage is a valid marriage, and his uh, he, he, he can decide that unilaterally. A father also uh, can uh, has the right over something that his minor daughter finds in the street. She finds a wallet, the money uh, that goes to the is, is owned by the father. Or if she works, 
and produces something, then the father owns and gets the wages. Um, if the minor daughter makes a, a vow, the father can nullify the vow. Uh, if the kid, is, if the child is uh, engaged or married and divorced, so the divorce paper they get, the husband should give it to the father, since he's the one that um, gave her in Kiddushin, he actually is the one to receive the get. It's uh, not clear if he gives the get to the, his minor wife, whether that is even effective or not. So uh, according to everyone, for sure, the father can receive it on her behalf. And if she, the minor daughter, has land, how could she have land? Let's say her mother uh, inherited, she inherited land from her mother or something. If the minor daughter owns land, the father does not have a right to consume the produce that the land produces. Instead, that produce belongs to her. Well, they'll put it in some, uh, in some uh, account uh, until she is an adult, and then she can spend it as, as she wants. Now, Niset, once a girl gets married, then the authority over her shifts from the father to her husband. So what are the rights of a husband over his wife? And this is true even if it's an adult wife. When a woman brings property into a marriage that uh, you know she owns, her father or parents gave it to her, or she got it herself, however she got it, and so she owns, she brings it into the marriage. While they're married, the husband does have a right to the produce all that time. Um, once the marriage ends, she'll get the land back, but the produce in the meantime, he gets to keep and use for the household expenses. We're going to see that he can use it. He has to use it to redeem her if she was ever taken captive. And a husband also is obligated to feed his wife all the time that they're married. If she is uh, um, uh, uh, captured, then he has to redeem her and he has to pay for all of her burial necessities. Rebuda adds to the burial necessities that this is not just um, uh, about the, you know, the uh, cost of the burial itself, but you have to have a proper burial. And the proper burial, even the poorest person in Israel, has to provide for his wife at least two flutes and one whaler. So we learned something interesting from here that at uh, funerals back in the time of the Mishnah, it was common and even required that a person should have uh, flutes. Here's a picture of a Roman flute player. They would they would play dirges, sad songs, get everybody into a sad mood. And a whaler is a woman who's a professional whaler who who uh, makes sounds that makes that make everybody uh, sad, to make everybody cry, and that is honorable for the deceased so that people should uh, should feel the pain of her loss and cry about her. All right, fascinating. Now, we'll go back to the first list. The father has a right to the money of Kiddushin if he marries off his daughter. Bekesev, Mindalan, how do you know this? Amar Amar Kera, and Kasef. The context of this pasuk is from a Jewish maidservant. Uh, the law is if a man needs to sell off his daughter, he's so poor he can't take care of her, he sells off his daughter as a maidservant, as, and she's a minor. Um, so then the master, there was, she'll, she'll work for him for a number of years, and the expectation is that 
he will end up marrying her or his son will marry her. Uh, that would be a proper thing to do. Um, however, if he does not and his son does not marry her, then um, once the time uh, passes, six years, she goes free, and kasef without payment. In other words, during before the six years are up, if the family um, now is you know makes some money and they want to buy her back, they can, right? If the father sold off his daughter for a thousand dollars and then three years into it. He's able to get a job. He wants to buy her back. He'll buy her back for 500, you know, prorated according to the number of years. Um, but once the six years are up and the master does not marry her into the family, then she leaves without any payment, meaning the master does not have to receive any payment. He has to let her free. Okay, now it would have been enough to say Vyatsachinam. If you it says go out for free, then you don't have to say en kasef without payment. So what's the en kasef coming to include? It's coming to include the following derasha en kasef la don ze, vyesh kasef la don ached umanu abiha. So there is no money to this master. The master of the maidservant does not get money when she goes free. But that's limiting. Only he does not get money. But there is another master who does get money. Who is that talking about? The daughter's father. So a minor girl's, if she is married off, and the Kiddushin, we do the Kiddushin with Kesef, that money that the husband is using to acquire his the, the wife, he gives to the father, and the father keeps the money. So there's a similarity between the right of a master to um, uh, marry this, uh, this the maidservant, and the father is right to marry off his daughter. The master does not get money, but the father does get the money. All right, so that's where we're going to learn it from. Hold on. How do you know that means that the master, that the father gets it? Maybe the she gets it herself. And then the parallel will be the master does not get money when the girl goes free, but she does get money, right? How do you know it means that the father doesn't that gets the money? Now we know that from the Mosi Shemra case, where uh, the father of the bride comes and says, I gave my daughter over for this to this man. So you see that the father has the right to marry off his daughter, so she should get the money. It's his right to marry her off. Obviously, she gets the money. So, um, so we know from this pasuk that there is money exchanged, and we know from the second pasuk that the father is the one that gets the money. Now we ask, So I understand that we can apply this derasha um, if, uh, see, only a, a father can only marry off his minor daughter. So uh, this derasha that there would be money applied, be money transferred, and it would go to the father. That makes sense. If she was ketana under twelve, because someone under twelve has no hand. She has, has a physically a physical hand, but it means she does not have the right to acquire something. She doesn't have enough uh, mental capacity, responsibility uh, to make an acquisition for herself. But na'ara between twelve and twelve and a half, there, yes, a father can marry her off, but she also can marry herself off once she's past twelve. So since she does have a yad, maybe, and she can marry herself off, maybe. Uh, she gets even if the father marries her off maybe she keeps that money 
How do you know the father does it? Amar kera bin oreha bet aviha. Right. See, we we learned this. We we learned this from the father marrying off, but the nada can marry herself off. So I didn't know that even if she's a nada, the father gets the money because min oreha ben bet aviha. This is in the context of nullifying a vow. And here it says that as long as she is a ketana or a ne'ara, the father can null the child's vow. So it says ne'ara, she's a ne'ara, and it still says bet avia, she's in her father's house, meaning under her father's authority. So during that time of ne'arut, kol shevach ne'orim le'aviha, all gains that the ne'ara has, have, go to the father. So that would include her, the rights over her um, the right to make a vow, and also would include, by by extension, the right over kiddushin money that she would get. No, she doesn't get it. The father gets it as a ne'ada. All right. So so far so good. We're learning kitana from the combination of these two pesukim and ne'ada. We're extending it through the the the, the, the vows. Now we're going to challenge this extension to ne'ada. Because we actually saw this section already, we're going to say that only applies to vows, not to anything else. So here, uh, here's the um, uh, the rejection of this argument. How do we know in general that anything that the daughter works as a child, that the wages go to the father? Uh, just like a father can sell his daughter in as a maidservant, so, and if she does that, then all of her work her wages will go to the master. So if he doesn't decides not to sell her off and she's working, the the wages go to her father. In other words, the father has the right to her work, can sell her off, and therefore, if he doesn't, even if he doesn't sell her off, surely he has he gets their wages. Now, Lamali, that's a very nice Tedashadav. But why do you even need that Tedasha? aviha. Can't we learn it from? Uh, when she's a na'ara, she's under her father's authority. And so you already have uh, this law that says she's under her father's authority for all matters. No, you can't do that because that's talking about nullification of vows. It's not, not talking about monetary matters. So we still need the vichiyim kor derivation. So then we ask, This is all still within the context of wages. So whole, this whole sugya uh, is talking about that. So why don't we learn, just like a father can nullify the vows, so too he earns the wages. There are similar levels of authority over her. You can't derive a monetary matter from a prohibition. Vows involve prohibitions. These are two different categories of halacha. So why don't we learn it from something else, from the fine that uh, in the rate in the case of rape that the rapist pays the fine to the father and that's a monetary thing that the father gets and so we can learn that all monetary things that would go to the girl the father gets including wages and we can learn it from the kanas and therefore we don't need the pasuka vichim kor no mamona within money there's two different categories fines are different from uh, compensation and you can't learn that a, a fine is a special law that goes to the father but you can't derive from that that all compensation would go to the father 
So you can learn from there either. Hold on. Regarding the case of the rape, there's also the payment of the humiliation and degradation that uh, go to the father. And that's not a fine. That's a compensation for what she experienced. And yet it goes to the father. So why don't we learn from there that also wages all go to the father? In that case, the embarrassment and degradation are going to also be um, uh, felt by the father because the father is first of all the reputation of the family and the father's response the father's one that's responsible for marrying off his daughter and now that she is degraded he's going to have a harder time to marry her off he's gonna you know not uh, uh he may have to pay a, a bigger bride price for someone the humiliation is felt by him so since he is party to those damages it makes sense that the father should get them not so with wages. She's the one that put in the hard work. So why should the father get the hard work? So therefore, we cannot learn it from any of these sources. That's why we need Kiyim Kod. Okay, close parentheses. All this was to say that you can't use Hafarat Nedarim as a, a proof that we can extend the law of Kesef to a Na'ara. So we're back to our question. How do you know that the Na'ara, if a father marries off his daughter, um, as a nada that the father that the father gets the money, maybe she can keep the money herself. So Ella, new answer, Mr. Bera Dehi Memaet Rahamana, Yesia Dehvata Ka Membaet. It's just reasonable that when the Torah is excluding a a leaving and it's excluding it by the this Dirasha that we had here, um the original one, Fiasa Hinam and Kasef that there is one person that leaves without any money. That's talking about the maidservant who leaves the master and the master does not get any money. That the other Yitziah should be an equivalent uh, case. And the equivalent case is that the just like the master does not get money, the other side should also be that the um, the father gets the money. Um, so... It's the father who is in the equivalent of the master. The master is one that we would expect might get money when she goes free. He doesn't get money. So who does get money? Not her, the father who uh, is giving up his daughter and marrying her off. So this simply makes sense in the analogy that it should be the father uh, no matter what. And that would apply whether she's a kitana or a na'ara. Okay. Wait a second. You're saying that it makes sense that these two leavings are equivalent, but actually they're not equivalent because regarding the master, once the six years are up and the maidservant leaves, she leaves the authority of the of her master completely whereas when a father does kiddushin marries off his daughter and does kiddushin she's still in an in-between state and uh, not until the chupa is the transfer complete that the father has no more authority and she goes all the way under the authority of the uh, of her husband. How do you know that? So that, right, that, that's all the question, right? So she's still somewhat under her father's authority. So since they're not really the same anyway, how do you know that 
the father should get the money that he's equivalent to the master if they are different. So we answer, For an essential law of the nullification of vows, she is no longer under the father's authority. Once a na'ara gets engaged as kiddushin, so now the father no longer can unilaterally nullify her vows. At that point, you need the father and the and the fiance, uh, the, uh, the future groom, to undo the vow together. So you see that. Uh, for the law of vows, so, so vows actually do come in. We use, we tried to use vows and as an analogy uh, originally, um, but now we and we rejected that. But now we are bringing vows to prove that the le- that once kiddushin happens, she does leave the authority of her father. And even though kiddushin nisuin did not happen yet, it's not she didn't fully move all her stuff. Nevertheless, if the father can't nullify her vows unilaterally, that shows that already um, uh, she is significantly um, out of her father's, father's authority. And therefore, we should make a proper analogy between the master and the father, just like the master does not get paid, someone else does get paid. Who is that? It's the father. And that applies for, uh, if she's a ne'ara. Kitana or a ne'ara. Okay, good. Now, the next items on the list that the father is entitled uh, to do f- to, uh, for her his daughter is marry her off with shtad and bi'ah. Minalan, how do you know that that's true? If uh, she becomes someone else's wife, then you see v'hayata. That's a law uh, language of marriage. Um, uh, this uh, all types of kiddushin are the same uh, since they're all mentioned together. The context of this law is the uh, return divorcee. Uh, if a man writes a sefer kiritut and he divorces his wife, and she goes and she goes and marries another man, um, and then she gets divorced from that guy, she can no longer go back to the first guy. But in the context of ayatali shacher means a marriage, and so all havayot, all types of kiddushin have the same law. So therefore, just like a father has a right to marry off his daughter with Kesef Kiddushin, so too we can use the other methods. Zakai be-mesi'ata. And he has a right to things that he finds. Mishum eva. Why should a father have a right to the things that the father, that the daughter finds? Because of enmity. Uh, the father is responsible for his daughter. He has to pay for her, 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 um, uh, food and take care of her and all that. So, uh, you know, it's not, it wasn't always easy to provide a meal, um, uh, every day and provide, uh, for all, all the needs that, uh, for a child. And so the father's going and he's working hard to provide for her. Now she goes one day and she finds this, uh, you know, jewel, uh, that's worth a million dollars. So now if you say she keeps it, so now she has it in her bank account. She has a million dollars. Then the father is going to go still working hard because he still has the responsibility to take care of his daughter. He's going to feel uh, begrudging that he has to go work hard to pay for her when she has so much money. So this is a kind of equivalent. He pays for all her expenses. If she finds something, then the father gets to keep it. Uh, sounds like it's not from the letter of the law, but rather because of the um, uh, emotional uh, state that uh, of the father and his knowledge that he is responsible to offer all of her sustenance. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.